Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. How would we react? How would most of us react to receiving news that we only had a short time left on this earth? It's a very sobering question if anyone has ever been faced with that situation, and I'm sure a number of you here have faced that situation because of receiving a, a serious diagnosis of illness or, or something like that, when you suddenly realize that your time is short, what becomes your chief focus? What consumes your thoughts? What do we think about? The things that we're going to miss out on? Do we focus on getting our affairs in order for the sake of our loved ones? Do we have waves of anger or resentment that, that this is awful and this is not fair to, to us or to our family? This is a situation that the Apostle Paul was faced with, something similar to it. The Apostle Paul's situation wasn't due to illness, but he knew that it was quite possible that he might face trial, that he might be found guilty and be put to death. And as it happened quite often in his ministry, he was attacked while he preached in various towns and a number of times was stoned and left for dead. He knew that he didn't have a lot of time or that he might not have a lot of time. For Paul in prison now, how much would he be consumed with rage at the injustice of all of this? How dare they do this to him, this ambassador of Jesus Christ. But Paul isn't angry. He isn't resentful. Paul is given the grace of the Holy Spirit to understand what is the most important matter at hand, whether he has only a short time to live or still quite a while yet. His life maybe hangs in the balance, and he views his situation through one criterion, only one, how does this relate to the glory of Jesus Christ? If I live, how is Jesus Christ glorified? If I die, how is Jesus Christ glorified? People of God, members of Jesus Christ, this is the view that God calls each one of us to have concerning our own lives at all times, whether we face life and death circumstances or not? How is Jesus Christ glorified in what I have in front of me? Whatever it is, whether it is something big or, or, or small. This text is for every single one of us, whether we face something serious or not. Our life, all of it, and our death is for the glory of Christ. This is our life as it relates 
to Jesus Christ. And Paul sums up his situation most clearly in, in verse 21, and that's our, our uh, theme for this morning, and that is, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We'll see two aspects of this. First of all, the whole of life for Jesus Christ. And then we'll see, secondly, that death is our promotion. So first of all, the whole of life for Jesus Christ. While Paul is in prison, he's given a very clear focus about what actually is important. And yeah, imagine how easy it would be for him to have a a, a different focus than what he has He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. Yes, he could be obsessed about the injustice of that, or he could be despairing because of the life that that he's about to be robbed of. But he's focused on the glory of Christ. In in verse 12, so this is before our text here, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Everyone knows why he's there. The whole palace guard is aware of this. Paul is somehow given the opportunity to speak and give testimony about why he's there. And this has even resulted in more Christians being very willing to speak very boldly about their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the magnification of the name of Christ because of these circumstances. Paul's imprisonment is leading to more people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through Paul's imprisonment, the church is growing. The church is being gathered. And Paul could could, could leave it there, acknowledging that, and be very thankful He could be released tomorrow and he could leave this time behind him knowing that it served some good in the plan of God and and then he could go on with his life. But he's considering these things even further. He's thinking and, and acknowledging and rejoicing in this fact that however this plays out for him, whichever way it goes, he knows it's going to continue to be for the glory of Christ. Whether he's acquitted and released, or if he's found guilty and executed, this will be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he rejoices. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Think about his his upcoming trial. He knows that while he's testifying, he'll be able to proclaim exactly why he's in prison and, and why he's so convinced that he must be preaching the name of Christ. And it's, it's almost like he's totally unconcerned with the outcome of the trial. It's something good this way, and it's something bad that way. Could you imagine being so peaceful, so at peace, so confident and comforted about having your life hanging in the balance? 
He's not strategizing about the best way to receive a good verdict. He's resting comfortably. Even more than that, he's rejoicing. I continue to rejoice, he says. He's rejoicing in this situation because of what it means for the name of Jesus Christ. If I am declared guilty, okay. Jesus Christ is proclaimed. And possibly some of those who hear this testimony will have their consciences pricked and turn to the Lord. They will see Paul's willingness to suffer in such a way for the sake of his Lord Jesus Christ. They'll see his love for for him. And even those who harden their hearts against the gospel will be heaping up glory for Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the ruler and king and judge of all and his name is exalted even in judgment. Whatever happens, Paul is lifting up his glorious name. And the one singular goal that Paul has that while he has breath in his lungs, he has been given one job to do as apostle of Jesus Christ, and that is to proclaim his name, and this is being done. What more could, what more could he ask for? He's rejoicing because whether he lives or dies, Jesus Christ is lifted up. Oh, that we, all of us, would have that same eagerness and comfort to direct every breath for the name of Jesus Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. What does that actually mean? It means that we approach every single day and everything in that day with the goal of giving it to Jesus Christ in worship and dedication for his sake. Every, every effort that we make, every decision that we make, asking and wondering and, and excitedly hoping, how can this be used for my Lord Jesus Christ? And this isn't just for those who are well advanced in in their sanctification and and in their understanding of the providence of God. No, this this is for everyone. This is even for for little children to understand. You're a school student maybe right now. That's the season of life that you're in. And you might not be able to see how doing math and, and all of the other subjects that you have in school How could that be lifting up the name of Jesus Christ? But it is. You do your work and you spend time with your fellow classmates with Jesus in mind, being thankful to him for saving you. And and you have a job right now, which is is to learn and, and grow in God's world and pick up the tools that Jesus wants you to have so that he can give you another job later on that he's getting you ready for. You're doing this. This is for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. And the way that you love your Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and live your life 
in dedication to him is testimony to the greatness of his name. This is the same for all of us, regardless of our vocations. You do things a certain way because you belong to Jesus Christ. Out of thankfulness to all that he has given you and all that he is. If you build houses or fix cars or, or manage people or, or sell things, you, you do these things in a Christian manner with godly integrity, with thankfulness to God, being ready to speak to anyone who asks about why you do the things that you do and how you do them. The resources that are given to us, what's the first question that ought to be asked of them? How can this contribute to the kingdom of Jesus Christ? And if, humanly speaking, things don't go well, or things are hard, things are challenging, if we're given much hardship to endure, how is this for the glory of Christ? We can prayerfully ask those questions. And our reaction to these things, how we speak of the providence and care and love of God, especially in those times, is a powerful testimony. And it's remarkable what the Lord does through the way that his children meet these trials in faith. Display. We display in our way of life that on the one hand, we may depart tomorrow and, and be with the Lord, and, and that's a very precious thing. We'll see that in just a moment. But also that if we are given another day, then that day has everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is glorified through the day that you have been given. To live is Christ. If we have that one focus, then like Paul, we, we can be basically unconcerned with whether something goes this way or that way because we know that either way, it will be for God's glory and we will be given joy in that. We have confidence that whether it does go this way or that way, it's in the good providence of God leading to our salvation. That's something that Paul expresses too. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says that in verse 19. He doesn't mean deliverance from prison. He doesn't know whether that's the case, and he sort of doesn't care about that. He means his own salvation, his, his vindication to live is Christ no matter what. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's our second point. After a life of Christ, death is our promotion. When a loved one passes away, departs from us, we mourn with a profound and deep sadness. And we ought to. This is death 
is an intruder into life, and it's, we're not supposed to be okay with it. Sometimes we act as though, or we even say the words, well, de- death comes to all of us, and death is just a part of life. I think that's what you hear in, in the world. Death is just an, another part of life that we have to come to accept, but that's not the case. Death is an intruder into God's beautiful creation. And it grieves us because the separation of body and soul and the separation of relationships is painful and ought to be wept over. But we're comforted knowing what we know. That the loved one who has departed from us, they have been promoted to a state of glory. When we grieve the loss of a loved one, it's, it's, it's also fitting that we meditate on our own mortality. That's something that almost automatically it causes us to do. Death has come to this loved one like it came to everyone who went before them, and it will come to each one of us unless we're here when the Lord returns. It seems that in our text, the Apostle Paul is so eager to go and be with his Lord that he has to comfort himself that he might not die yet. He has to be okay with the fact that he might have to stick around for a little while longer. Verses 20 through 24 As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. That's his goal. That's the sum of his existence now. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. It may be the Lord's plan to keep Paul here and keep him laboring for his kingdom, and Paul acknowledges that this would be a wonderful benefit for the people that he loves, a benefit for the Philippians. He could go on proclaiming the gospel to them, teaching them the ways of Christ, nurturing them in the faith, but he doesn't hide where his heart is. I love you all, Paul is saying. And I would love to, to stay and be with you, and this would be good for you, but I, I can't choose. If I have to choose, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. He's looking forward to that. It's a tremendous blessing when we have the opportunity to comfort one another with the truth that we have been taught what we believe concerning what that promotion to glory means, that departing and being with Christ, what is that like? A loved one passes away and and we recall as much as we can about what God has promised us about heaven, about the removal of 
of all of the things that hurt and cause grief in this life, the removal of pain and sadness. We recall how he promised that he would wipe every tear from our eyes about how we are welcomed into the presence of God without fear and without trembling because of the work of Jesus Christ. He's washed us from all of our sins. He's given us perfect righteousness so that even when we haven't done these things as Paul speaks about directing your life for Christ, when we failed in all of those respects, when we've built our own kingdoms instead of Christ's, he has forgiven us for those things and we can stand before God unashamed. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have been given access into this grace in which we now stand. We think about the vision of Isaiah when he was transported in this vision to the throne room of God and the train of his robe was filling the temple. The glory that he saw before his eyes, the way that he trembled when we are promoted to glory. We get to be in the very presence of the Lord God Almighty. See the face of God. To feel the full force of his majesty and glory. And it will be okay. This is something that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Paul knew something about this that, that we don't. Remember what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He writes about some kind of vision he had. He says whether it was in the body or not, I don't know. He was somehow brought to heaven and shown things and was able to hear things that, that he just can't divulge, he can't share. But he has seen them and heard them and now he can't wait to go back. So yes, although death is painful and sorrowful, we can rejoice in death. We can have joy with the death of a loved one because of this great hope that God has given to us. We can have an eagerness to go and be with the Lord who loves us and whom we now love so dearly and whom we want to see face to face. What a gain there is in our death. Everything that hinders us in this life is finished. It's behind us. Every hardship is over. Every battle is done. And our faith becomes sight. The things that we have believed in without seeing, we finally get to see. But while we are here, may God bless us with endurance and with diligence to labor for him to rejoice and give our whole life for Jesus Christ. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen.